our very first voice memo ever from our number one listener. Our <laughs> number one and only listener. <laughs> She's downloaded this podcast a record 300 times. <laughs> from <the> computers. <laughs> she went into a Best Buy and downloaded it on every computer that was open. That would be amazing. Yes. Our favorite listener, Sarah G., <laughs> is asking. Hey, I need to know more about the index funds that y'all are investing in because my money is just sitting in my savings account and it needs to grow. Also, I love you guys and I miss you very dearly and I love listening to your podcast because you make me laugh hysterically every episode. We love you, baby. (laughs) Quick disclaimer. Uh, No one on this podcast is responsible for anything that we say. None none of this is advice. (laughs) This is mostly jokes. (laughs) If anything, comedy podcast (laughs) uh so julie is joining us from the snowy center of montana how is it up there we got a lot of snow yesterday so much better than it was over the weekend which was a skating rink everywhere why do you do this to yourself i love it (laughs) (laughs) awesome uh, well, prepping for this felt like a lot of homework. It was so much. <laughs> yeah, it was I... too much, honestly. <laughs> but now we are, uh, you know, more. I feel like this is the most we've prepared for an episode. Oh my god! And so this is the most confident I felt in talking about something, even though opening up this can of worms just made me realize how much I truly don't know. Yeah. This week we are all going to be discussing the elusive index funds uh, that you've probably heard this term from all of your favorite financial guru people. Um, and you've probably heard us mention it a few times. We're all still learning what exactly it is because it it's more of a concept. But you know what? We'll get into that later. <laughs> <laughs> but we're talking about index funds in terms of investing, what they are, how you go about finding them, and many other facts along the way. We've all been researching all week, and you're going to probably hear some more information about what that was like for all of us and what we've been reading, what we've been listening to. And I'm certainly looking forward to hearing everyone else's reflections on this because, yeah, I learned a lot, a lot this week. Does anyone want to start us off with the definition of an index fund? Honestly, I think we should start a little before that. I agree. I, <laughs> I was just going to say that. Perfect. Go All ahead, right. Maggie. What, what, pray, pray tell, start us off. What the fuck is an index fund? So here's the notes I took on this. So first, the, that's not the first question you have to ask to understand this. The first question that you might ask is, what is an index? Mm. So an index is a measure of something. For example, the S&P 500 index is a measurement of the 500 largest publicly traded companies in the U.S. You can have lots of different kinds of index. You could have a shoe index. That's all the publicly traded shoe companies in the stock market. And an index measures how those stocks are performing as a group in relation to other stocks and the stock market as a whole. Isn't that a benchmark? Sure. benchmark was that i could be wrong all right well taylor's going to define a benchmark for us here momentarily <laughs> let um, me google that real quick <laughs> the point is you cannot buy an index an index fund is a portfolio of stocks or bonds designed to mimic the composition and performance of an index 
So if you buy an index fund of the S&P 500, then you're buying a group of stocks in a fund that is mimicking the measurement of the S&P 500. Yeah. Yeah. Fuck yeah. That's right. That makes sense. That's right. All right. That was my go at it. So one thing that I found really helpful when I was reading about this, as far as defining an index fund, like if you just imagine, wipe away the idea of index fund, instead think about investing in the stock market, knowing nothing about the stock market, right? What you know, maybe based off of like movies like Wall Street, is that you buy a stock and it might make money or it might it might lose money, right? So everyone's trying to buy stocks that make money and there's all these squabbling going on between buy, between the ones going well, ones going poorly. But if you could invest in an index fund that purchases a little slice of all of these companies, you get the average of the squabbling, right? So you get to in, enjoy all of it. You get the average and it just tracks with the stock market in general. Mm-hmm. Yes. You're just buying a little slice. Yeah. You're in a lot of ways reducing your risk because you're buying a lot more things in a smaller quantity. You are. It's what a lot of people call communism. (laughs) (laughs) Capitalistic communism. What I thought was interesting about index funds is if you want to put it in a hierarchy, a mutual fund, like index funds are types of mutual funds from what I understand, from what I've been reading, there's like seven different types of mutual funds. That is partially correct. And mutual... Index funds are one of the types. So what's a mutual fund? A mutual fund is a, uh, let me read it. A mutual (laughs) fund is a type of financial vehicle made up of a pool of money collected from many investors to invest in securities like stocks, bonds, money market instruments, and other assets. So mutual funds are usually operated by money managers, but not always. So... I guess, fuck. So I guess you can have index funds that are mutual funds, but you can also have index funds that are not mutual funds. But, but what's confusing, though, is that mutual funds aren't always managed by, mar- by money managers. Yes, also correct. So this is part of what we were talking about. Uh, <laughs> My head is exploding. Before we started this episode, we were talking about how, how both simple it seems at first, and then you start actually trying to define it and talk about it, and it just like hydras the fuck out of itself, and you have like sixteen different things you're trying to define at once. Julie, um, what are your thoughts? Julie? You want to give it a go? Okay, so I actually think it would be helpful to take a step even further back behind the definition of indexes, and let's talk about what stocks actually are and why they go up and down in value. Mm. So. When a company wants to raise money that they can reinvest to either grow it or expand to new markets, one of the ways they can do that is by selling stock. So essentially, they'll sell off a piece of their company to investors. The investors give them money, and then they take that money they invested in the company, and everybody believes that that investment will make the company grow, which makes the stock more valuable. So that's sort of what stocks actually are and why they go up or down is whether or not the growth initiatives of the company were actually successful. So if the company is doing well, the stock price tends to go up. Also, if there's currency inflation, like in the US dollar, that will cause the prices to go up a little bit as well. And then there are intangibles that we see all the time, especially with the irrationality in the market, where the price can go up and down just based on what we perceive that company to be doing right now. If we think they're doing well, if we think they're going to do great in the future, oftentimes the price will go up just out of perception. Mm, That was really well broken down. Thank you. Yeah. So like Maggie said, index funds, 
basically a, a stock market index measures the performance of a group of companies. So the S&P 500, which most people have heard of, tells us how well 500 of the largest companies in the stock market are performing. And then there are actual funds that mirror that index. And they can do it in a couple of ways, but the simplest is just a purely weighted way where all of the companies have the same weight in the index fund. So they invest it like one for one in all 500 companies. And then they allow smaller investors like us to purchase stocks in the index fund. So we get like a little piece of the big investment that they've made in all of the companies. Mm. So when you have a fund that has different weights in the companies, is that would that be something that is managed by somebody to determine what percentage of that company they wanted in the fund? So the the weighting, the other most typical weighting, basically the, the biggest companies that are in the index get weighted higher. So if you have Amazon being one of the big ones in the top of the index, right. if they do well, it's going to drive up the index more than it would if it was just weighted one for one. And if it goes down, it's going to pull the index down further than it would have just on a pure. So is that higher risk? Well, and then, sorry, to Julie's point also, um, one of the things that companies who have these index funds like Vanguard and um, whoever else, Fidelity, um, they will have a measure of how good the index fund is matching the index. Mm -hmm. And they release that information publicly. So they'll say like, our index fund is matching the S&P 500 index at 99% or something. Mm -hmm. So you can kind of get a gauge of that. And it's part of their jobs in creation of the index fund to try and get it to match as best as possible. So that was my question that I could not find an answer to is how does an index fund get created? What is the actual process of making an index fund? Is it like a company like Betterment, Vanguard, like these specific types of of uh, stock companies? Or are they banks? Like, so yeah, what are you, they doing? If you are a company that allows for investing, so like an investment company like Charles Schwab or Vanguard, then you can create your own funds that your customers would buy into. You could, in your own stock portfolio, basically create, quote unquote, an index fund that right. is just a group of stocks that you manage yourself. And so technically, you could create your own index fund, but then you get into the things that Julie's talking about is how do you weight everything? What? How do you make those choices? How do you rebalance it? And that gets super convoluted and confusing very quickly. Right. Like you would have to be revisiting that throughout the year to decide, oh, this company is no longer relevant or this one moved right. down yeah. in importance. This is a new company and ha constantly having to readjust. It definitely would take away from the passive investing yeah. um, greatness right. that is an index fund. Then it becomes value investing. <laughs> <laughs> well, so is better, like say, just take like Vanguard or whatever. Mm -hmm. Is Vanguard... They're looking at all of these different market values, right? Like S&P 500, the Dow's, whatever. There's like a handful of them. And they're creating, are they creating like a program that like tracks those? I'm just, I'm, I guess I'm curious how it, like how it physically works. Like, are they making a computer program that's tracking it and automatically like creating an index or... I, am, so I don't have know a mix of automated and manual processes going on behind the scenes. But the bottom line is that what they're doing is they're getting a bunch of money together and they're going out and they're buying stocks in all of those companies in the index. Mm -hmm. And then they're putting them together and they're selling shares in that bundle that they've bought. Like they've gone out and they've just pre-bought it all for us, everything in the market. 
And then they're selling small parts of that off to small mm, investors. Okay. That makes sense. Mm-hmm. And so I, I found it really interesting. I was trying to look up how much it would cost just to buy one stock in every company in the S&P 500. Mm-hmm. And obviously that changes constantly. But I like think lot, yeah. the current rates would probably put it somewhere over eight and a half million dollars. Ooh, That's just to buy one stock in each of those 500 companies. So index funds have given us access that we couldn't have had before because even just the fees 10 years ago to make 500 transactions would have really cut into our gains over time. Never mind having to have, you know, millions of dollars just to make the purchase. And a lot of companies don't allow you to buy. Some apparently do because I learned this when I was researching, but not very many companies will allow you to buy just an individual partial stock. So you can't say, like, I want to buy half a stock of Apple, um, but you can kind of do that by index investing. Right. Up until recently, it was really hard to buy partial shares. Interesting. Yeah. Because those are those the new apps allow the partial shares, like public. Exactly. And Robinhood. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I have some um, just index fund facts, which Ooh. I can read off. This is Fun Fact Corner with fun Maggie. Hot <laughs> tips and fun facts. <laughs> Becca, Maggie, Taylor, and Julie. Um, so I'm just going to read them. Y'all can, we can edit. Can we rate how fun the fact is? None of them are fun. (laughs) (laughs) Zero. They're all 0% actually fun. Um, so index funds have lower expenses and fees than actively managed funds. Index funds follow a passive investment strategy. Index funds seek to match the risk and return of the market on the theory that in the long term, the market outperforms any single investment. Index funds represent a theoretical segment of the market. This can be large companies, small companies, or companies separated by industry, among many other options. Oftentimes, people purchase index funds through mutual funds, which is what Taylor was saying, although you can invest in index funds in other ways as well, such as ETFs, which is something that Becca had also wanted to talk we about. We want to talk about ETFs. Um, but we, I'll wait to get into that a little bit more, mm-hmm. but those are my... Fun index fun facts brought to you by Maggie. <laughs> <laughs> I would argue some of those are fun. Uh, the no, the number one for, I'd say, a lot of people is that it's your key to passive investing. If you want to be a person who invests their money and ma- has their money make money for them without putting in any effort um, outside of your initial investment, like and the index tons. funds. It's hot. It's sexy. Well, and the, the magic, the real magic behind index funds, if you're going to look at it compared to picking individual stocks, is that to pick individual stocks, you need to pick winners and avoid picking losers. And that's pretty much impossible for everyone, even the top investors like Warren Buffett would say that. So what an index fund does is it places a bet on all of the companies in the market. And it's just a really beautiful example of math where um, when you buy a stock, if it loses, it can only go from 100% of what you bought it at down to zero. But if it wins, it can go from 100% of what you bought it at up to no upper limit. It can go to 100 times that, 1000 times that over time. So an example of that would be if you bought three stocks and they reach, let's just say $10, make it easy, $10 when you first bought them and the first stock tanked, the company shut down. So that one went from 10 to zero. Let's say the second company went up and down, but at the end of your investing career, it was back at $10. So it didn't lose or win. And then your third company, let's say that it went from $10 to $100. Essentially, you invested $30. And at the end of the day, your portfolio came out to $110, even though you had a company that totally tanked. 
because a tanking company can only go from 10 to zero. But if it wins, it can go from 10 to 100 to 1,000 and beyond. So it's just a simple math. Basically, you get to win when companies win really big and you're minimizing the downside risk when a company loses. Yeah. So some people might be asking right now, well, this sounds great. How do I buy an index fund? And perhaps we can answer that for them because there's several answers, some very simple. If you already have a brokerage account like Charles Schwab, you can buy your index funds there. Mm -hmm. um, literally do a little Google. Charles Schwab do, index. Do a little fund. Google, guys. Do a little, little hot tip. Do a little Google. <laughs> and it's a Charles Schwab index fund. And that's going to direct you to the index fund ch chapter of your brokerage account with Charles Schwab. If you don't have a brokerage account, you can go to Vanguard.com. Boop, 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 boop. And you can buy directly through them. They do have a minimum investment uh, that you have to start with. So if you're working with a very small amount of cash, then you can bop on over to Betterment.com where you can make a little portfolio and it'll invest in index funds. But you know what kind of index funds they are, everybody? ETFs. <laughs> oh, oh. You can also invest in index funds through your 401k or your retirement uh -huh. plans um, and through... Uh, my brain is blanking right now. Roth IRAs, um, traditional IRAs. If you have any of those things, like Becca said, you can just quick Google, uh, look up your, for example, my 401k at the company I used to work at was through Mass Mutual. So you can just Google Mass Mutual Index Funds and it'll tell you what the symbols are, which ones are available to you. And then you can line up your portfolio to automatically invest in that. Um, and if you have access to retirement accounts that you can invest in index funds through, you usually want to do that first and max out your retirement contribution because those accounts have tax advantages that your regular brokerage account doesn't. Yeah. So you typically ma max that out first. And then if you want to invest more, you invest through a regular brokerage account or through these other apps like Betterment and Public. Yeah. So say you're someone that just has a bank account, right? Like most people just have like a standard bank account. Mm -hmm and maybe a couple credit cards, and they just put their paychecks into their bank account every week, uh, like Chase or something. How would someone like that start investing in the stock market? Do they have to go to a specific site like Schwab, Betterment, um, et cetera? How do they know where to buy stocks? Right. So um, if, you are, if you are starting at zero, let's say you have over $3,000 that you're able to invest, a real easy thing is to go to Vanguard.com and open your index fund account through there. Uh, I think the lowest minimum is a $3,000 buy-in on one of theirs, but I can be, be correct. I think the next level is a $10,000 one. Right. Yeah. You, you can buy into account? the Vanguard Total Stock Market Index Fund, their Admiral shares, the minimum investment's 3000 Yeah. So you can do that literally Vanguard.com. It'll walk you through it. But other than that, if you need to start a Roth IRA, if you don't have any retirement accounts, then mm -hmm. maybe starting a Roth IRA, so you choose a brokerage firm, so maybe Charles Schwab, um, Fidelity, whatever else there is out there, if you want it to be a retirement one and have tax advantages. And then if you just have a small amount of money and you don't want to go through setting up your retirement accounts, you just want to today jump in there and buy a piece of an investment fund. I literally tested before this call how long it would take me to set up a public account and buy shares in the Vanguard total stock market mm -hmm. index fund that's an ETF. It was less than 10 minutes. Yeah. From finding, 
from finding Becca's referral link and clicking it. <laughs> I went through, downloaded the app, set up my account, answered the questions that you have to do in the lead up, hooked my bank account in, and then deposited 10 bucks and went and spent five bucks on the Vanguard Total Stock Market Index Fund in less than 10 minutes. Where did the so other $5 now? Where did the other $5 go? It's still sitting in there, okay? <laughs> this was just a test run. <laughs> you do have to wait. I will say you do have to wait with public for your funds to be sent over. Well, because I just did like a $10 transfer, they immediately fronted me. Oh, okay. So I did like 250 and it took like a day, I think, a day or two. And they can take up because I go through a credit union, it takes ages, but yeah. it's fine as long as you can. They'll usually give you immediate buying power, but then if you want to sell anything, then you get dinged. Because Yeah. So that's actually a great point. If you don't want to go, or if like the thought of like having to go open up an account at another company stresses you out, um, then you can just download public yeah. and link it to your bank account and transfer over money and start trading immediately almost. Yeah. And yeah, I um I use my 401k primarily for investing, which like Julie said is, is my number one recommendation especially if your company provides any kind of match. But then after that, I have a Charles Schwab account, which we've talked about on the podcast before, which I have for the purpose of their checking account, but sort of the same as Julie, I was messing around with it this week for mm. educational purposes. And once when you have a checking account, you have to have an investor bank account, but you don't truly have to put any money in it or do anything with it. It just sits there. And so I transferred $100 into that account and bought some stocks and various things, just see how easy it was. And it was literally instantaneous. Although again, with Charles Schwab, their platform isn't super straightforward. Mm. And that continues to be true. <laughs> <laughs> oh my God. I mean, I tried to go onto Vanguard and Schwab to read their little info about what is an index fund, what is like a ETF. And it was so fucking confusing. I felt more confused after I read the articles than before. And I was like, this is a company that their whole job is dealing in the stock market and like buying well, it's and It's like trading. asking Stephen Hawking what is a star. Like he's going <laughs> to give you way too much of an explanation. <laughs> <laughs> you need to ask someone that doesn't know. All I know. I need a children's know. like yeah, exact cartoon book written about stock market. Can we make that happen? We can make a podcast called What the Fuck is an Index Fund? <laughs> <laughs> We're going to have a separate podcast. <laughs> yeah, no, I need like a children's book version of I feel like we're trying that's what we're trying to do right now yeah, is, is very simply explain it and you just keep asking more questions this is the problem like a child <laughs> <laughs> but why but why but why but what does that mean <laughs> yeah I did have um because you wanted to know about ETFs so I did read some did some reading in that hey not if it isn't stock related what does ETF stand for do you think not stock related like if I Googled ETF and it didn't have a stock. Extraterrestrial fucking. Yes, that's right. <laughs> <laughs> I was still trying to understand the question, but I appreciate the answer. Was that the answer you were looking for? Any answer would have been correct. <laughs> All right. So what is the difference between a mutual fund and an ETF? These are two separate legal structures by which a fund can be created. Okay. My mind is melting. Wait, right you said now. between a mutual <laughs> fund and an ETF? Yes. Okay, got it. A mutual fund and an ETF. So an index fund can be traded in a mutual fund or an ETF. So you're trying to talk about the hierarchy there, like it can be confusing. 
Um, a mutual fund takes investor purchases and withdraws directly and trades once a day after the close of the market. Any buys and sells into a mutual fund go directly to and from that fund. An ETF is different because rather than take investor money directly, they create a bunch of shares which are sold on the open market like a stock. Certain entities have the ability to create and dissolve shares, but the important part is that you go and you buy an ETF, you're buying it from another investor who is selling it, and the price determ is determined by the market. So index funds, like I said, come both in mutual funds and ETF form. And the reason that John Bogle, the creator of the index fund, does not like ETFs is because he feels that they are tra their trading encourage investors to act more irrationally and trade more often. Yeah, I was reading that too, that ETFs are more for, like, they benefit you more for day trading than they, I mean, you can still use them as long term, but an ETF would only benefit you in day trading if you wanted to do that. Uh, I, I don't think it's so much the benefit, because actually, oftentimes, fees are lower with ETFs than mutual funds, especially because most ETFs are passively managed as opposed to mutual funds, which are more often than not actively managed, mm -hmm. but you literally cannot day trade a mutual fund because all of the mutual fund trades happen at the close of the market. Right. Whereas right. an ETF, you can buy in and out of throughout the day. Right. So it's possible to day trade an ETF. It's oh. not possible to day trade a mutual fund. However, everything we're talking about here is really long-term retirement investing, simple, 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 buy and hold, let it grow. Right. Yeah, so not encouraging day trading. Yeah. No. Yeah. <laughs> well, One and ETFs like ETFs track and y'all correct me if I'm wrong. There is no additional risk in choosing the ETF route over the mutual route. They have the same results. Um, it's just if ETF, yeah, makes day trading available to you. Um, it, yeah. There is one caveat to that, and that is that. There may be an ETF that's built around a particular index and they don't quite make enough fees to make it happen. So an ETF can close. And that is probably still a higher risk of closing than a mutual fund. Yeah. And, uh, and, and the only thing that happens when, when, that, when an ETF closes, it just means that your shares in it sell immediately. So you might be selling at a loss because you didn't get to pick the time. Also, ETFs have a risk factor that... Um, so you actually will probably understand this very well because of the GameStop situation. If a group of people decides to buy a bunch of the ETFs on that day, their stock will increase because it behaves according to the market, not according to the index in mm -hmm. that scenario. Mm -hmm. So ETFs have an inherent risk in that way because uh, they're, uh, they react more to the market. Yeah, that's a good so, way to explain it. And again, like if you're looking at a short-term investment um, then you need to be more mindful of that. But if it's long-term, my understanding would be it's all going to shake out. And everything I saw is it tracks at yeah, the same I think, rate. I think long-term, I would say I agree with you. They're probably equal. Well, it's interesting because ETFs can also be actively managed. It seems like in any scenario, you can still have actively managed funds. So I'm wondering, how do you know? When you go to buy a like an uh, say a mutual fund or an index fund or an ETF, how can you tell if it's actively managed or not to know if there's like, fee like how can you tell if there's fees associated? Like, is this all in the details on the page when you search the numbers and it like pops up? Like, where do you find that information? 
Usually when at least I'm investing in something, you can like click on what you're investing in and it'll have a breakdown of the fees. I don't know that it says active or passive investment, but I do know that it'll say, here's the fees we charge if you want to invest in this fund. Um, right. Or and- the expense ratio is often what's used for index funds. I don't know about for ETFs specifically, but um, that will tell you how many fees, like the percentage of fees typically compared to the gains. Oh, we never said what ETF stands for. It's exchange-traded funds. That's completely false. It's extraterrestrial sex. (laughs) Fucking. (laughs) Fucking. Yes. Um, I also looked up an answer to another one of your questions, Taylor, because you asked a lot of questions. I'm a a curious lady. So you asked, is there a sex industry index? And I wanted to bring that up again. The answer that I could find is sort of... Um, there is a type Give of the in- numbers, baby. <laughs> <laughs> there is a type of investing that is referred to as sinful investing. Uh-oh. And there is a fund called yes, the Vice please. Fund, which devotes itself entirely to socially irresponsible stocks. The fund launched in 2002 and has outperformed the S&P 500 over the past three years and invests in the manufacturing of gaming equipment, tobacco products, and alcoholic beverages. What about sex? So the Power Shares Dynamic Pharmaceuticals Fund is a way to inv- for investors to invest in both Pfizer's Viagra and Eli Lilly's Cialis, uh, which each garnered approximately $2 billion in sales last year. So that's one way you can invest in sex. Um, and then I looked up a um, ETF investing issues and investing in adult entertainment and they listed like 15 different ones you could invest, ETFs you could invest in. So all you would related. have to make like your own index fund. Apparently. Well, these are all these are all like focused around adult entertainment. So it'll be like production companies. It'll be like 10 production companies in this one ETF. Oh, um, got cool. it. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Can you send that to me? So these these are actual index funds that exist. They're just yes. not your yeah. big name. Right. Funds, but they're like, like the smaller ones. Or okay. the total market. These are like industry specific or... That's cool. The Vice Fund. Yeah. I love it. Yeah, that's really cool. Investing in Vice. I just, I do appreciate the name of the Vice Fund and its symbol in the market is called Vice X. That is but, great. Yeah, I want to <laughs> buy it just for that reason. I mean, apparently it's doing well, so. Except for like. Gonna invest $100 in it and tell us how it performs in January 2022, how your returns are. 100%. Yeah. Vice X. I'm going to look it up mm-hmm. on public right now. Uh, one thing that I read that I thought was very helpful when it came to ETFs and mutual funds um, from the Investopedia says, with a mutual fund, investors are doing business with the mutual fund company, buying and selling a stake in the company. ETF investors investors are doing business with other investors buying or selling shares of the ETF itself. So I thought that was helpful in kind of clarifying like how it's physically working when you're investing in like a mutual fund versus an ETF. So um, a lot of the, if if I may refer to a little book called The Simple Path to Wealth. Uh, it's a book that really advocates the use of index funds, but beyond J.L. Collins in his book, there's also Mr. Money Mustache, the, a lot of the fire, the financial independence retire early. There's just a lot of heat around index funds. But I thought it might be interesting 
to bring up the dark side of index funds. Mm. So it's a scary, scary dark side. It's a scary dark side, um, especially now that 30% of my net worth is invested in index fund ETFs. Um, but yeah, so the a lot of people hear this, right? That Warren Buffett has written instructions to his wife of what to do with their money upon his passing. And his instructions is basically put it all in index funds. It's passive. It's going to make you money. It's going to outperform any attempt to chase the market. However, uh, Mr. Vanguard, the guy who started Vanguard right before his passing, January 2019, he issued a warning of concern of what he thinks index funds might do to the stock market, the market, to capitalism, <laughs> uh, and to kind of the investing culture society as we know it. Dun, dun, dun. Dun, dun, dun. And then. <laughs> so his concern is that these index funds are big and powerful because they are buying pieces of big, powerful companies. And because they own... And I'm, this is a direct reference from the podcast, Let's Know Things. Uh, and there's an episode called Index Funds. So this is where I got a lot of this information. Uh, please step in anyone when I misstep, when I'm describing this. But the way he describes it much more expertly, <laughs> feel free to pause the podcast now. Go look for that Go one. Go listen to Let's Know Things. <laughs> Press <Come back>. play. <laughs> Should we name the episode of this Episode podcast episode. Go you listen to. Go listen to <laughs> yeah, he's not gonna make you laugh as much. I'll tell you that much. But uh, that is true. <laughs> but uh, yeah, basically, it's the idea of if you own a part of an index fund that owns part of Coke and part of Pepsi, then it is taking away incentive for competition between those two companies because they have these investors that are working with both of them. And his thought is that if index funds continue to grow in popularity the way that they have been, then there's it's going to dramatically reduce the incentive for competition between companies in the same industry, therefore minimizing a lot of the gains all the a lot of the good stuff that comes with capitalism right uh which is better product for lower costs for people yeah and that's how we fade into communism you know it's how it happens no i think that's a very good point and that episode of let's know things did um kind of scare me mm-hmm. a little bit so i do recommend that episode so. yeah yeah sober up after you learn about how much yeah. you want to invest in index funds. If I recall, I think he said that currently the major index funds already own 20% of all of the major companies in the country, which is mind-boggling because they, the level of control that they have if they own one-fifth of, of, of the shares in all the major companies is an impressive amount of sway, which could be used for good things if they start holding the companies they invest to to higher standards as far as environmental standards or humane um, employment practices, but could just as easily go the other way as well. Yeah, and it puts a lot of responsibility on the, on the mutual fund itself as well because they have voting powers in these companies and... If you're owner of your mutual fund or your whoever's in possession of these index funds is awful, um, well, then they have no incentive to do good things with that power. And so far, 
they don't tend to do good things with that power. They tend to take the step, they tend to go the apathetic route in the name of passive investing. With all of this said, this is very dark, but Becca, you've invested in the ethically sound index fund. Socially responsible. Yeah. So do you have any, any other information? Was that through Betterment? Through Betterment. Yeah. So whenever you sign up for Betterment. So I didn't I don't have a Roth IRA. I have a small 401k account through my employer um, and I'm rolling over an even smaller 401k account from a previous employer. Um, but I don't have a Roth IRA. So I decided to have a general investing uh, portfolio for now. So I decided because I'm starting with zero as far as a brokerage account to go ahead and open up a Betterment account. And whenever you sign up for Betterment, you have the option to pick like Betterment General or something or Betterment Socially Responsible. And so I did that to assuage my guilt factor, which now has gotten much bigger <laughs> because the issue with index funds. So if you're if you're actively trading and you're value investing, you know what you're investing in is to the extent that you can, right? You don't really know what goes behind closed doors uh, in corporations, but you can pick your company specifically. When you invest in an index fund, you don't get to decide what is in that index fund. So uh, if you're not specifically choosing something that's socially responsible, you might inadvertently exclusively invest in companies that you might not align, that might not align with your values. Um, so that is something that really troubled me <laughs> that I had not considered before about index funds because you're, the control is out of your hands and you're putting it in basically a bunch of CEOs hands who don't always align with you <laughs> as far as what's the best way to continue to propel our world forward. So do keep that in mind when you start to pour a lot of money into index funds. See if you can be as mindful as possible. I know it's definitely shifted my perspective and where you're putting that money. Yeah, because you might be funding some shady shit. <laughs> you say that as I'm looking at this Vice ETF. <laughs> I mean, I wouldn't invest in Vice ETF personally. <laughs> um, I mean, but I didn't read what all the companies are in the Vice ETF, but I mean... I'm not particularly against investing in um, tobacco. I wasn't going to say tobacco. I was going to say ga the gaming industry. But yeah, I guess oh, yeah. there are people that mm -hmm. truly have gambling addictions. So that maybe is shitty. So, yeah, I mean, I can't even look at a video game. <laughs> <laughs> I, will, I will stay up for days. <laughs> um, that did remind me. So my brother had recommended a um, clean en energy portfolio index fund that I invested in and it's continuously gone up like nice. like crazy amounts What's um, it called? it's called uh power shares wilder hill clean energy portfolio it's pbw and um it's gone up like 80 bucks this past year oh, no. but yeah it's all like clean energy stuff so that's one that you could look into that seems um not bad there is a gender diversity index fund with the abbreviation SHE. Oh, that's um, cool. Yeah, if you just Google uh, socially responsible index funds, a whole list comes up. That's awesome. Gender diversity index fund. 
Interesting. Because you can vote with your dollar, guys. That's what you do when you invest. Yeah, you You're know, voting with your dollar. That's a great way to put it. You are saying this is what I believe in and want to succeed. Mm-hmm. Um, I love seeing on every single company just that massive fucking drop in March. Like mm-hmm. every single one. There's just this huge, huge uh, dip. And I always think like, man, if I had just known to buy shares then i'd be rich well now we know guys (laughs) well and you know this is warren buffett's whole thing among most investors is whenever the market is greedy sell out whenever the market is fearful buy in um so anytime there's an event and everything drops that's the time of course, he's working under the assumption that you have a lot of fucking yeah, money. That you haven't also <laughs> lost your job and uh, um, are doing well in in the time that the entire stock market is crashing. It's hilarious. There's some assumptions involved with that for sure. <laughs> that we take this man's advice. Yeah. He's like, well, put your, what has he got? He has how much on hand that's like liquid cash? It's an insane amount of money. Like that's not even invested. Um, I, I it's not a hundred billion. Is it a hundred billion? It's something insane that he keeps cash, like under his mattress. Not really. Don't go to his house. But he probably lines the walls of his house with cash. I don't know. It doesn't seem like a good idea. I mean, a lot of things don't seem like. <laughs> okay, so here's just one exercise I want to take us through. Ooh. I'm gonna read the about on this she, uh, page, and I just want y'all to explain to me what it means. Well, we might fail at this. But I that's cannot fine. wait. <laughs> okay. So this is for the SPDR SSGA Gender Diversity Index ETF. Abbreviation SHE. SHE tracks a market cap-weighted index of U.S. large cap companies with a relatively high proportion of women in executives and director positions. Uh, the full company name is SPDR Series Trust, SPDR SSGA Gender Diversity Index ETF. So, based off that definition, what the fuck is this? <laughs> so, a, a large cap refers to a company with a market capitalization value of more than ten billion dollars. So, these are all very large companies that okay. this stock market or this index fund is that are a part of this index fund. So, what does market and, cap weighted <clears throat> index mean? Market cap weighted is what I was talking about earlier where instead of every company, like if you take 500 companies and you put them together, each company's worth one, market cap weighted means the companies actually have the allocation that matches how much of the market they have. So Biggest if a company. big company is totally. actually a full sense. 10% of the 500 companies, they get the weight of a full 10%, whereas companies at the bottom will get weighted at less than 1% of yeah. the total. That was beautiful. See, that is the kind of teamwork I like to see. But also, <laughs> it makes it way easier for me to understand. I learn by like real life examples. So taking something like this and be able to say, okay, here's the definition, break it down, what does each part mean is very helpful. So I thought that was a very helpful exercise for myself and hopefully for yeah, other people. Thanks for that spontaneous intro I was kind of afraid of, but it worked out well. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, I would imagine that if you delve more into it, it might also talk to you about their uh, fee structure and maybe some other information too, but we don't need to go further uh, than we just did. But <laughs> I just mean like you, you. It's like, uh, for example, this might not be relatable, but when I was in college, I took a class about how to read scientific papers. 
Hmm. And that was the entire class. We just every week would read a scientific paper and then come talk about them. And it was a, a true skill that takes time to learn and practice For sure. because it's so confusing and there's all these big words and people say things in a confusing way, sometimes to sound smart or to just speak to their own people or whatever. So I think uh, the more that you look at these things and the more you read the fine print and look up the definitions, eventually you'll figure it out and it'll become easier. Yeah. There's a uh, a much less impressive version of that from one of my favorite podcasts, Reply All, where they do a segment where they take a tweet and they break it down and they tell you, like, they'll take a tweet that might be confusing out of context and then they'll break down each part of it and explain, like, this is what this is referencing, this is re- this is referencing. So by the end of it, you totally understand the tweet. Hmm. And I love it. Nice. It's exactly like reading scientific papers. <laughs> <laughs> so maybe we should include a few. <laughs> maybe we should include a few breakdown comparisons of some of these on the website too, so that it's That's easy to be idea. like, okay, look for this, look for this, look for this. This is what these things mean, and sort of cover the bases on that. I love it. Yeah. Or if you know any listener just wants to um, just message us different letters and we'll look them yeah. up and then try to explain yeah them. i, I, I had yeah. Actually, like we have nothing better to do so i had brought up that um and it's very clear even in this this discussion that it, us answering these questions will probably make more questions so if you are continuing to listen to this podcast despite all the attempts of us trying to convince our listeners not to <laughs> um and you have questions about index funds send them in and i feel like at some point we more than likely, but won't promise, but more than likely, we'll make an index fund part two 100%. podcast where we can answer more questions about index funds. You have no idea how much time I spend on that Vaginance podcast Instagram. Send us a message. I will see it within moments. <laughs> within, within 10 <laughs> seconds. And then Becca will reply that thank you so much for sending a question. This is our and first I'm just, question. I'm going to have one of those cryy face emojis. Like, thank you so much for listening. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we got, we're, we're sitting on a stack of postcards. Um, oh, one of the other things that I thought might be worth talking about with index funds and general trading is taxes and fees. A big benefit of the index funds is that if you can pick a low fee one and you invest for the long term, most of your money is actually going into the fund and making money for you over that time instead of being slowly peeled off by fees and taxes. But since some of you are doing some sort of active trading, we should probably talk about short-term capital gains and long-term capital gains and what that means. Oh, oh no, that's all you, Julie. Yeah, I love it <laughs> and I want to know more. It's probably going to... Uh, be a nice cold shower for me and my sweet, sweet Uh-oh. date right <laughs> Okay. So if you're trading in, in an invest or in a retirement account, this does not typically apply. But if you are trading in your regular brokerage account or in public or one of those that's not shielded in a tax deferred account, like a traditional IRA, a Roth IRA that you've already paid the taxes in or a 401k, If you are trading in a regular brokerage account or in public or one of these apps, when you sell something, if you sell it at a profit, you are liable for capital gains tax on the profit on your taxes this year. So there are two types of capital gains tax. You have short-term capital gains tax, and that's if you held the stock for less than one year. And that typically, I believe, you get taxed at your income tax rate. So if you're in a high tax bracket, 
it's really high taxes on the profits you make on those trades. If you've held it for at least a year, then you get long-term capital gains taxes, which tend to be more favorable. Current long-term capital gains taxes are at 0%, 15%, or 20%, depending on your taxable income and filing status, but those tend to be more favorable than your income tax rates. So the longer that you hold a stock, the less your capital gains tax rate tends to be, and you can kind of time when you take those gains so that it happens on a lower income year, so your capital gains is lower. Mm. But actively trading all the time, you may be thinking you're making a lot of money because you're selling at the right time, but a lot of it might be eaten up by your tax rate. And that was something a couple podcasts ago I mentioned about betterment and tax loss harvesting. Um, And that betterment is an AI automatic reinvestment portfolio that rearranges what you're investing in to maximize the efficiency of your taxes. Which is very sexy. Mm -hmm. Right. So the same way that you can have taxes on the profits you're making, you can actually deduct from your taxes against the losses if you sell something at a lower price than you, you bought it. So if you actually take a loss on something, that can help balance out the gains you don't generally want to do that on your own, but with something like Betterment, it optimizes it so your portfolio is still growing, but you're not getting hit with really big capital gains tax in the meantime. Yeah. That's essentially how I got seduced into Betterment. Um, and there's a chance that maybe next year, after I've had that investment for a year, that I just pour all that money into a Roth IRA instead. That probably seems like the smarter decision, but I don't really know. I didn't know what I was going to do with my money this year. So that's why I have a general investment portfolio. So if you're like me, Betterment's a nice place to start, but it is a higher management fee. Keep that in mind than if you just like straight up buy from Vanguard, but you get tax loss harvesting. Um, That was a great rundown, Julie. Thank you. Extremely helpful. Thank you for that. Okay, so index funds are better are a better investment because it is passive investing where you just buy an index fund that samples the entire market of a bunch of different companies and it just tries to best replicate something like the market value of an S&P 500 or I'm I'm rambling now. You should buy index funds because over time they will make you more money than trying to actively trade and figure out what company is going to succeed and what's going to lose. It's nearly impossible. They've done a ton of studies on it and you never beat the market. Yeah, that's it. That's that's the, the thing. end period. Yeah, no, you, you nailed it there at the do end. You, like, do you gamble on the top 500 companies of the country or do you gamble on one company that you got a hunch about? Right. Personally, I do both. <laughs> <laughs> Me too. <laughs> but for the record, I've got 30% of my net worth in index funds and like 0.5% in day trading. And that's just for funsies. And boy, I think this week is some shit's going to go down. I'm excited to see what happens in my <laughs> teeny tiny little account. Oh, yeah, yeah. I, I agree. Day trading does have there's but there's definitely a gambling aspect involved where you're like it, it touches it's your uh, brain chemicals in a way that really mm. can cause problems. So be careful if you choose to do this. But I'm totally cool with having like two to two hundred dollars in day trading, because if I fully lose that money, then I'm not going to like be really angry about it. I mean, two hundred dollars is a lot of money, but it's not enough that I would you know, like have lost my livelihood. Mm -hmm. And so 
as long I'm I'm four day trading if it's something you're interested in and have fun doing it. But please, please, please do not do it with all of your money. <laughs> yeah, you will lose it. Mm-mm. Mm-mm. Don't do it. Yeah, it is. It is fun. I think a good compromise too is like, uh, like what you what we kind of touched on earlier is investing some money in index funds that aren't necessarily like the most popular ones, but they're ones you really believe in. Um, and they're like f- you know fun, weird niche index funds, that kind of satisfies the craving to invest in random companies for me. So I really like doing that. Like I'll put some like, you know, maybe 500 bucks in like different weird index funds and then do the also the regular, the regular index funds that will actually make you money long term. I like that. I like that strategy. Yeah. Yeah. I do have a question. This is a dumb question that I feel like I already know the answer to. And I think I've already asked it. (laughs) I'm just going to ask it again. Um, Can you open an investment account with any bank? No. Okay. That's what I thought. I don't think you can with my bank. It's never been. I think Wells Fargo just recently started um, the capability of investing through them. But that was just like in the past year and I've had Wells Fargo for a long time. Actually, I stopped having Wells Fargo this year, which was one of my accomplishments. Um, but no, the answer is no, not all banks. That uh, must be and- also why there's such a barrier to people not investing because it's just not some like you have to actively seek it out. It's not something that's like available through most banks. Yeah, you have to seek it out and you have to sort of uh, set up your profile. Although, like Julie said, it doesn't take much time, but it does require uh, active involvement. Yeah. Well, and you have to decide where to go. I know for me, my one of the biggest barriers was like, well, where do I I understand I can invest, which I didn't know what that meant really, except it was a word, but I didn't know like where to do it and how to do it and which mm-hmm. one. Like I knew there were plenty of options, but which one's the right one and how bad is it if I pick the wrong one? Um so yeah, it's I think it's just the initial opening an account is is a challenge and I think can be a real mental block, but I agree. Um, One of the second barriers, I think, like once, like now that we've established, okay, like what do these different things mean and how do you um, interact with them? One thing that really confused me was when I went to actually go buy a fund, like I typed in the letter, right? There's like a part of your um, account where you can say, okay, I want to buy stock or whatever. You click on it, you type in the letter, but then there's all those options. What are those options? Because that alone is really intimidating to me. Like, what is investing dividends? You know, like I know that I'm I'm told that I need to do that. So I do it with every stock I buy, like reinvest dividends. But what does that even mean? And I feel like a lot of people get intimidated by that probably as well. I agree. There are a lot of options. That's one I could explain, but uh, there are some that even I don't know. So maybe we should research this and do it in a yeah. part two episode. I yeah. think a part two of investing would be good. I might butcher this, but there are some stocks that have dividends, which is when they make profits each quarter or annually, they will actually give part of those profits in cash back to the investors or the people who are holding stock. A lot of companies don't have dividends now. I think it's sort of something with a lot of the older big companies. Like antiquated. Um, but so that's, that's basically that in addition to holding the stock and being able to resell it at a high value in the future or at a loss, you also may get cash dividends from the profits of that company on a regular basis based on how their performance did. So by selecting reinvest dividends, that means any cash the company directly sends you, I just want to reinvest it in more stock, more ownership of that company. 
Right. Okay. So you would do that if you wanted to continuously invest any earnings back into that company. It's separate from the stock itself going up, but Mm -hmm. yes. Right. Okay. Yeah, I think it's interesting. I was listening to a breakdown of dividends because I was wondering like, well, why wouldn't you exclusively search for good companies that give out dividends? Because it seems like you would make more money mm-hmm. because you're basically getting your money for nothing there. You're earn- Even if you're you know earning 40 cents a year, it's still 40 cents that you did nothing for. Mm-hmm. Um, but the, the thought behind that, and again, <laughs> same caveat as Julie, I could butcher this, but the dividends are basically surplus. So Uh, the companies that don't give out dividends, it's because they're using all of their profits to reinvest in the company so that it runs more smoothly. People who do, companies that do offer dividends mean, we can assume it means that those profits, they don't have anything better to invest in within the company to further streamline their operations. Um, So it is cool to get dividends, but that might mean, it may mean that the company is not working as streamlined as it would be if they reinvested their own profits in their own management or in their own operations, et cetera. Interesting. So it's almost like something they're offering to seem more appealing to get money up front to invest, but ultimately they're kind of shooting themselves in the leg where they're not getting as much to continue. It could be, right. Yeah. That's an interesting way to look at it. Right. Yeah. It, it may or may not. They may be such an industry leader that it's smooth sailing from here to as far as they can see. Apple. And so they're not trying to put things at risk by investing right. in new markets or different initiatives. They're just doing what they do well and continuing for as long as that's going to hold. And so that may be a position that a company offers dividends in. A lot of the other big players are more of like the startup mentality. They may be massive companies like Tesla and Amazon, but they may still be operating sort of at that startup, which is every dollar of profit they make goes back into building the company bigger and bigger and bigger. Right. And in case we've confused everyone even more with all of this, we will also include some definitions and simple breakdowns on the website in the show notes for this episode. Yep. True, true, true. Well, okay. So I guess this is a good introduction to like dipping your toes and like the different funds and maybe encouraging people to go do some more research on their own maybe check out public, maybe try to get an investment account if you don't have one. Look to see if your your company gives you a retirement account. Look into Roth IRAs. Those are really great. If you learn stuff that we didn't talk about, please tell us. Too, yeah, let us uh, know. We want to know. Please correct People us. People want to know. Yeah. So yeah. Hey, listeners, we'd love to hear your stories of a crazy thing that's happened when you tried to start investing or issues you've run into and we'll read your stories on a you know mini-sode or whatever yeah that would be awesome i would love to hear people's stories about their own personal successes and failures with financing and investing and money if we had any listener feedback whatsoever please please for the love of, of making money send us an email or a dm let us know your story Tell us how you failed miserably or succeeded and rubbed it in all of your family members' faces. Please let us know. We want to read them out loud. Publicly. And what else do you want to know about like uh, that we aren't thinking of? Oh, I did have one fun question I wanted to ask y'all when we were talking about companies. Mm. If you could have a company, like if you started your own company outside of the one you already have, mm-hmm. what would the company be about and what would the name be? Mine would be, my company name would be called Maggie Goes on Vacation with Company Money. (laughs) And and your ticker symbol is (laughs) E-M-B-Z-L. 
Embezzle. <laughs> yeah. There you go. There's my answer. Done. Could it be Fagabond? Yeah. <laughs> How many symbols is that? <laughs> oh, that's brilliant. Oh, I do have a company actually, uh, the Hottie Body Shop, which I talk oh, about yeah. all the time. Duh. It's just a bunch of women running a mechanic and body shop. Hottie, hottie, hottie. But they have to wear like really colorful jumpsuits. Mm -hmm. I'll be there. (laughs) (laughs) Mostly as a customer, but maybe sometimes as an administrative (laughs) assistant. She'll be there for all the stick shaking. (laughs) (laughs) We'll have a sign out. No no stick shaking. (laughs) 